this editorially independent podcast is supported by Visit Flanders. Switch off the phone. And I'm your man. So just put that in your pockets? Yes. So I'm in Chris van der Walle's house. He's an archivist, an author, and a brewer. So when I enter number 43 on the Zwartestraat yes, in Loreninge, I see a brewery that has for the previous nine years been moulded around his home. In the reception area, there are framed black and white historical portraits of family members set out on chests of drawers, many of whom seem to have been involved in the local hop picking and brewing industries. There's a framed black and white photo of a young girl that I later learn is his grandmother. Yeah, you, you choose where to start in the house. Yeah. Maybe, can I ask about these, the artwork first, because there's quite a few interesting pictures. Mm-hmm. Two things of vibrant colour immediately capture my attention. The first is a hardback book, yeah, sat upright on a stand with a red and purple cover. It features a beautiful illustration of an old brewery. It's a book about a former brewery in Ypres called the Ypres Centrale Brouwerij, and the author is Chris van der Walle. Some historical, some... New ones, some yeah. family uh, leftovers. Yeah. So this is like a beautiful watercolour? Yes. Um, and this looks like Phoenix Bird? Yes. So I think it's, it's made by my partner. On the other side of the room is the second item of colour, a large painting of two flying birds facing each other, wings outstretched, deep turquoise and azure blue. They look like phoenix, mythological birds in ancient Greek folklore associated with the sun, which were said to have obtained new life by arising from the ashes of their predecessors. Sezun's Brauerei van de Walle, next year, 10 years in existence, was born from van de Walle's obsession for local history and a passion for regional food and drink. But in the reflections on his relationship with his grandmother, and in the trawling through historical brewery archives, and in the search for someone with whom he can share these passions, it feels like Chris van de Walle is trying to work out whether he should continue focusing on the black and white or whether he should be living in colour. My name is Brendan Kearney and this is the Belgian Smack Podcast. Part one. Part one is called Seasonal Brewery. My visit to Lorenige is a rescheduled one. I was supposed to meet Chris von der Walla two weeks previously, but his grandmother passed away just as I was due to visit, and Van der Walla had called to rearrange. Yvonne de Gros lived to the age of 99 years, born on the 24th of June 1921 in a village 10 minutes to the west of Lorraine by car. On the day after her funeral, Van de Walla had posted a black and white photograph on his Instagram feed of himself and de Gros clinking a glass of beer together with a caption that said, Her life seasons are now complete. Her cuisine and classic dishes are etched in our memories. Um, we were supposed to meet up last week, but um, there was some sad news that mm-hmm. your grandmother passed away. That's right. She yeah. was 99 years old. Yes. Um, what was her name? Yvonne. Yvonne. Yvonne, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about Yvonne and kind of, yeah... yeah. Um, your relationship with her and her life in the West. Uh, it's it's very it's 
my great grandfather, her grandfather, was mayor of this village over here for more than twenty-four uh, years. So um, the whole family lived in this village. So she she was for me. It's it's a woman that I have knew for forty-four years. Forty forty years. Sorry, I'm forty-four. I knew her for forty years. And she tells me lots of story and stories, and and she makes always the link to the history. She was the the living link to the history. When you are knew your grandparents, or when you don't know your grandparents, um, but she was the link, the door to the family, to the history, but also the the link to the kitchen that we um, that we served, that we shared shared together. She was a very person uh, who has been busy in her kitchen with working with local products and that's the thing that we now um, realize that 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 we get her, that that we get uh, these things from her and uh, that's the passion for food for kitchen for beer for making it on our own and and giving it tradition i'm coming now on a, on a point that i say now it's my turn to get all this knowledge and to prepare it, to give it to the next generation. And that's so nicely to do it. So that's the thing that I, the last weeks I remembered. I remembered the, 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 the days on the New Year's table and that what we are drinking and we are talking and eating family together. And did you uh, taste the new thing? Oh, yes, yes, I know. I don't like it, but I like it. And choose to do it like this way and this way. It's big bringing conversation. And that's the thing that I realize uh, when people are sitting around the table and they are talking about food, it's bringing a kind of, 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 of band together. But you can also transfer it to another generation. And that's for me very important. That's also the thing that I want to do with a brewery. Yeah? Uh, I'm the 10th generation brewer in my family. We started in 1765. It's a complete story. But what I get from my, from my grandparents, I can give it to, but I can give it a new way on, on my generation. I go it, do it on, on, on my way. It's a song I do it my way. Um, and that's the whole thing that I learned last week. So um, the stories from the family, the stories from my, my, my great-grandfather who has been mayor from this village. Um, yeah, it's coming all together. And uh, as an historian and a writer, I bring the things all together, so uh, with a good glass of beer, yes, it's very nice to do it. On my drive here, I noticed that Lorenige is actually made up of several different villages. Lo and Reinige, but also Nordschote and Bollenkove. Around 3,300 people live across the four villages, which lie between the cities of Ypres and Wurne in Belgium's northwestern corner. Immaculately engineered canals cross flat, rich agricultural land, interrupted only by quaint village churches and peaceful cobbled squares, many dating back to the Middle Ages. It's a series of villages which was greatly affected by World War I. Gapardhoek in Lorenige, so that's a place known locally as the Camp des Américains, is the site of an old barracks and field kitchen built in 1917 where military units could temporarily leave trench warfare for periods of respite. It's also a community which was once rich in breweries. The former Grey Sisters Nunnery started brewing in 1655, but it's now just an administrative centre. The building in which the St. Joseph Brewery operated until 1962 is a protected monument. At one time, Lorenige was home to breweries such as Pilart, Old Wethouse, Saint-Louis, La Forche, Rimelpré and De La Fortrie, all of whom brewed beer almost exclusively for people in low Renige, Norschote and Polenkove. And then there was Brauerihut Dambart in Lo, which was home of the award-winning brewer Georges Quagny. Today, because of the challenges of surviving both world wars in the Westhoek and the commercial dominance of large global brewing conglomerates, Sezun's Brauerie van de Walle 
is the only brewery in existence in Lorelinga. Van de Walla lives history. He works four days a week as an archivist for the city of Dixmude, a job he has had since 1998, which entails assessing, collecting, organising and preserving historical records which are determined to have long-term value for the region. But history is only alive when it provides context for contemporary living and Van der Walla felt there was something missing in his life. Through his work, he regularly came across family records, personal affairs, brewing logs and company documents which demonstrated the importance of beer to social life and hinted at a fascinating beer culture in years gone by. He also discovered that previous generations of his family, most of whom were in some way connected to his grandmother, Yvonne de Gros, had been involved in important breweries throughout the region. The discoveries sparked an obsession with resurrecting the beer and the brewing traditions of the West Hook. Van de Walla shows me an old brewing log from 1872. The pages are flimsy, and he handles the book with extreme care, showing me how recipes were constructed. It's been by trawling through documents such as these that Van de Walla discovered Yvonne de Kroos was related back up her family tree to a brewer called Petrus Franciscus van Eke, who in the late 1700s married brewer's daughter Johanna Theresa de May, developing the Saint-Julien brewery together in Langemark. Another connection to brewing he found in the Kroos' bloodline was in the form of Katharina Constantia van der Heidenmarke from Westfleteren, who bought then Burgundisen Schild Brewery in Bolonkova in 1822, sparking three generations of family involvement until the First World War. The first line on the website of Saisons Brauerei van de Walla reads, We are a young brewing company, but we boast a family brewing tradition with roots as far back as the 18th century. We, are, we were also, we were here a region from Old Brown Beer. Now you find Old Brown in, in the south of West Flanders, East Flanders, but in this region, before the First World War, was an Old Brown region. Yeah? I get my first gold medal for my beer in 2017, I, th- I think. Yeah? And it was just 110 years ago that the brewer from Lo has his gold medal for the old brown from this area. So I'm very happy that I can give this tradition a new life. But it's not a story like this. No, it must be have a very historical background. And that's for me very important. So these reflections on his family history kind of continue as uh, he shows me around his house. Yeah. So, But I'm living between the... Um, the, the, the furniture from my great-grandparents from the 19th century. So, and in the mix with the brewery and the mix with, 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 with the whole things together, it's, it's for me very... I'm, I'm living apart in, in memories and, I, and I'm putting some new things from me and, and they together and that's the, whole, that's the whole concept. Because the whole concept of the brewery is the same. Um, I have been looked to our family recipes and we took some accents out of these recipes and we are making a new story with the beer. So that's for me a very, very fascinating to do it because I, I can't brew just like my, 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 my ancestors. I'm the new generation and I do the thing with the beer that I want to do with the beer, but nothing is the same. Different barrels, different methods, different, uh, yeah, all what you want. Are the, are the people here in the, the hallway, are they... Um, Family members? Yes, my family members, yes. Yes, are my uh, members of the family van de Walle. But the brewery is coming from the part of my grandmother who died now uh, last, uh, last month. So it's... Um, I have on the part of my father, the brewers, and I have on the part of my mother, everything with hops. There are hop farmers. So uh, it's nice to have the mix in the family so I can look... 
to the family with the brewers, and I can look to the family with the hop, the hop farmers. So, uh, so when did you move into the house, or when, when was uh, it? I, I, I came over here in 2010, but I had not a mention to making beer. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Did you no. think, oh, this no. will be also part of a brewery? No. So, over time, you transformed this <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. I, I need some room. The whole thing was, I'm writing about beer. Yeah? Uh, but if you don't do this in your life, uh, and, and you, you don't feel the thing, the diff difficulties, the, the way of doing it on, on, on this thing, then, yeah, if you are a writer, you write and you have to, to, to do it. But the same thing with brewing, you have to brew when you have to write. So I have to feel, and then that's the whole thing. So I can talk with elderly people to, um, to have their day, day story and, and you can talk with them, you can go in their world and so on. And for me, very important to do it. So I learned a lot to, doing, to, to practice brewing. And, and to, uh, to writing about it and, and to make the mix again. So you have lots of, uh, oh yes, it's going on this way. Van der Waller takes me out uh, to like a shed area at the back uh, in which he operates his so brewing installation. Uh, normal brew day. No brew day, yes, normally I brew at, uh, at Friday. So I'm, uh, the name of my brewery is Seasons Brewery. So, uh, of Seasons Brewery. Um, that means that I have a lot of respect from the old brewery season um, that starts at the beginning of September until the end of, 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 of May, beginning of June. For me, important to, um, to have lots of respect for this period because in this period, September, October, November, I'm making the hoppy beers because I have the fresh hops from Popelinge. Afterwards, to the end of the year, I have uh, mostly some colder weather, and then I make the old brown beer, the basic for the old brown beer. And then in a few months, I'm making what I have, uh, what I need. Uh, and brewing day starts for me at, uh, at Friday morning um, at four o'clock. And I'm uh, making two mashes in a day. Because for me, when the thing is going on, it's, it's voila. It's efficient. So I'm doing this on this way because for me, um, you should say, oh Chris, why not? You're coming bigger and bigger, take other brew installations. No, for me, very important on this way because I can do it on my own here. I can, I can manage all, everything on my own. Yeah? My mashing uh, thing, yeah? the boiling kettle, yeah? and the uh, yeasting barrel. So, th so this is your kind of primary fermentation vessel? Yeah, open fermentation. Open fermentation. So when you um, mash, yeah. and you have your blotter or filter off into your cabinet. Yes, voila, that's right. So your hop additions. Yes, after we're cooking, yeah, yeah, everything is going over in this uh, vessel. Now, do you cool it before it gets here? No, I have a small installation, I will show you. Like a small heat exchanger? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I bought this a few years, like two years ago, and um, I'm collecting the whole brewing day in this vessel, yeah. vessel, yeah? And then I'm cooling down, and then I put the yeast on it. Yeah. yeah? So because I have, yeah. So when, do, you, when, do you cool it when it's in there? Yes. Rather than when it's transferring? Yeah. I'm just so transferring from the cooking kettle to this, to this vessel. So there will be a longer period of cooling when it, when it cools down? Oh, in the beginning, I cooling down. I, I stopped with brewing at 6 o'clock in the evening, and then uh, it's, uh, it was cooled down at 9 o'clock in the evening. But now I will be cooling down in 45 minutes. Okay. Yeah, it's a uh, wow, <laughs> cooling down in forty-five minutes. <laughs> and then you pitch when it's cooling. Yeah, off the yeast voila, thing. that's the that's but the, that's the whole thing. But there may be some um, lactic lactic acid bacteria. Oh yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And do, do you leave it completely open during? No, I'm uh, I'm st I'm pitching in. Yeah, uh, everything starts to grow. And when it is morning, Saturday morning, then I do the ding thing open and I say, wow, that's it. Eh? So, and then let it grow, let it grow, let it grow. Eh? For me, very important that I can see it grow, that I can take the foam off 
when it's too, uh, too, too heavy, um, but let it grow. Next, you know? we head to what used to be a utility space in his house and now is his barrel room. So I started with the small ones um, to have this, but um, yeah, I say I will try a bigger one. I will try to try a, a bigger one. So a friend of mine from um, who is making wine in the Camelberg, of the Camelberg, yeah, yeah. Uh, entre deux mots, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he did his apprenticeship in, in a very big uh, winery, wine house, wine chateau in, uh, in France. And once a day he called me, Chris, I can get some new barrels from my own, um, my own um, alley, uh, winery in, in, in the Camelberg, uh, on the Camelberg. Do you want you want also some oakum? Yes, yes. So I buy this five one from, uh, with him from, uh, from the Burgundy. And every time when I go to France, I, I stop I stop uh, by a tonnelier for buying one barrel. So, so, so most of them are Burgundy barrels? Um, underneath, okay. five. One, two, three, four, five. So, yes, and the other one are from um, from the Bordeaux or where I go. I, I want I want also to have the taste from, from, from the wood and, 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 and the apprenticeship, the craftsmanship from, from the people over there. So for me, is the knowledge and the thing in the yeasting. How do I do the yeasting? And how do I manage my barrel capacity, my barrel thing? So for me, tasting and, and doing it with this, it's giving me the way to my, to my ancestors, to my tradition, to my, to my thing. But I have to learn it on my own way. I have to feel it. I like to look to the, the, the French winery, to the wine chateaus. I like to go over there. I like to learn about it, uh, to see what's happening in it. I, I like to be into these oakum barrels, but you know, it, it's, not, it's not possible. But um, I like to do it on this way. Brewers were in the old days, people were blending beer. So I'm doing the, the, the thing of blending beer on these days, on my way, but with the knowledge that I have. And I, 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 the nature is doing it for me, but I'm just standing with it. So for me, very important to do it on this way. I mean, the, the, the thing that's quite noticeable is that you, you're living amongst the barrels. You know, so every day when you, no. when you make your breakfast, you see them? Yes, I see them and I'm All smelling the them. Yeah, but is there not a temptation when you're curious about the evolution to kind of, oh, I want to see what this barrel is doing now? You have, you, you have to be patient, you have to, it's very strange, um, early in the morning I can smell the barrels, they are giving a kind of smell in the morning, it's, it's very strange, they're giving, they, they, I call it they breathing, yeah, mm -hmm. they're breathing in the morning and, and they're giving their, um, their um, yeah, they breathe, uh, the, the smell, and then it's collapsing down the whole thing. And this is, is for me, it's very nice to, to have this. When I have breakfast, I say, oh, I remember smelling cherries. So, uh, <laughs> cherries for breakfast. Cherries for breakfast. So As we head gonna... back from this kind of shed or outhouse, um, back towards the house, we go through a small garden. I see you have bees. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. We need bees for having cherries. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I, I also noticed that you have um, quite a lot of lavender in the yeah. garden. Is that related to the, the beehives? Yeah, but it's, um, it's a project that I, uh, that I support. Um, they call it uh, Bees for uh, Firms, Bejen voor Bedrijven. And this guy is stimulating the... Um, the the culture of the bees to have uh, the, the flowers and then to have the, the the culture of the of the of this bees. So I have now thirty thirty thousand uh, employees in my office, in my brewery who's working for me. <laughs> wow. But yeah, they have the lavender here, so uh, it's nice to have. So afterwards, I will be have some fifteen kilos of of uh, uh, honey. Honey, yes. 
Yeah? Honey, yeah. Honey, yeah. Um, from these uh, extra and workers. Do you need to know how to manage the bees, or is there Now someone is coming, is coming to do it. Ah, because, okay, yeah. but I have, I'm being very interested to, um, to do it also on my own, but um, I have to, to have to study. But now, when this person is coming, and I'm be with him to, to look what's happening and giving me some explanation, uh, I'm doing now this and doing now this. So I, I, I see the building up from, um, from, the, from the box, yeah, from the beginning. Uh, last week he put some uh, extra uh, bees into uh, the, the box uh, to do the job because they, he had uh, put above the, the, the honey list uh, right. yeah, here. Yeah. Don't go too close. No, no, no problem. When you do not mean do something, nothing is no problem. You can see here the um, that's the room where they are producing now the, 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 the honey. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So um, they're doing their, their job and their work. They are picking some, um, yeah. Is there, um, is there no concern that they become angry? No? No, no. When you are very quiet, uh, you don't be open now the whole thing. And uh, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, you have to be, but you have always to stand after the boxes to doing it, to, uh, to open the boxes and, and to, to get out uh, the, yeah, I don't know the, the word in English. Comes. Yeah, voila. And, so. and you know, they're, they're obviously an important uh, part of the ecosystem. Yeah, that's right. People don't realize that, I think. Yeah. When I have to make cherry beer, I need these, these guys here mm -hmm. to do the job, to, to, uh, to, voila, to, to give me the, the, the thing that I need. Eh? So, uh, and when I can do this in return to them, so, um, why not? Eh? So uh, they're giving uh, me the nice honey, but they're also giving me the cherries. So uh, nice. for me, very important. Part two is called Iperse Centrale Brouwerij. So let's go back to World War One, northwest corner of Belgium, 1914 to 1918. Incredible suffering and death. And then, in the years after, you have to pick up the pieces. The Ypresa Centrale Brouwerij was set up in 1921, just after the First World War, when the local population in the West Hook claimed government subsidies to rebuild the houses, shops, schools and churches that were destroyed during the war, and to renew the drainage in the sewers and the water systems that had been rendered unusable. Several families from Ypres, Bozinge, Gamel, Langemark, Poperinge and Westoter who all owned separate breweries before the First World War, pooled their resources together to establish one mega-cooperative brewery they would call the Ypresa Centrale Brouwerij, which they believed would put the West Hook on the map. So, you know, that's interesting. You're... you're kind of uh, other job or your day job is as an archivist yeah, right. with the city of Dixmude. Yeah. So, you know, what's your what's your kind of day-to-day -day activity there? Are you looking through sort of historical documents yes. to try and find relative information for today and, and logging information so that it's yeah. e easily digestible? I'm, I'm doing the, the work of an archivist. Uh, I'm bringing documents together. I'm making kind of inventory of the documents and, and I look into the context and what are, they, what are they doing when people are asking me a question about this region? You have also asked me some questions. What is this region? Um, we are working now um, uh, uh, around the uh, rebuilding of the area after the First World War. So when you have a question, I have to answer. I have to give you an answer on it. So I have to study to the documents. I have to make uh, links. I have to make a kind of relationships with the people and so on. It's very nice to do it. 
I see. I'm 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 living sometimes another decade, but but um, yeah, I see what's happening, and that's for me very important. I do my job like an archivist. Very, I, I love the job, but for me, the brewery is a kind of passion, family tradition, and uh, yeah, who is it? A kind of work out also for uh, physically. So, uh, so <laughs> that's that's nice thing. Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know the the. Um there's a lot of kind of history with World War One in this region, given you know the the kind of the geographic parameters within which the war took place. So you know you have um, on one side the Belgian side in this region, sort of west of Ypres, and then you have the German-controlled part of Belgium uh, on on the the eastern side. You know at the time of the First World War, sort of just before and just after, what happened on both sides? of the border of that salient for, for those breweries that were there. Yeah, yeah. A very interesting story. Uh, we have to do lots of research to it. Um, what's happening here, uh, where I live, uh, it was the second and the third front line. It was not the first front line. There's, what can you say about the second and the third front line? Yeah, the brewers, they can working. Yeah? Lots of soldiers people who has been in this area and they want to drink beer. So the people of the brewers in the second line, the third line, they have lots, they did a very great and a very good job. They earn lots of money. Yeah? But the breweries on the first line, they has been destroyed it completely. Yeah? And these brewers, brewers they, they go to England or they go to France or they go uh, another way or they coming to family yeah? Again, in the second or the third line, and, and they make a very good business. Yeah? They earn lots of money over here, and, and, but they have also restrictions. Yeah? Um, there, was enough, there, wasn't, there wasn't enough hops, there wasn't enough grain, so it was very difficult to, um, to, 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 to produce beer. But uh, they're also producing beer for the army in France. So it's a very nice story about this beer in this area. The front, the, the front line, it, was in, it wasn't impossible to, to brew beer. So another historical brewing connection in his family, which could be attributed to Yvonne de Gross and her Van Eke blood, uh, was to the Ypresa Centrale Brouwerij, located for 55 years behind the train station on the Chaussée de Dixibus in Ypres. It's the brewery about which he has written the book on display in his entrance hall, a beautifully designed 198-page hardback containing rich archival material, images showing the evolution of the brewery, old labels, glassware and beer mats relating to the beers that were produced there, architectural plans of the buildings used, the family trees of the people involved, We've got copies of old letters and photography of street festivals, dinners and events which shine a light on the cultural impact of the brewery's beer on the people of the West Hook. We have uh, told a lot about uh, the First World War, but this is a story after the First World War. Um, I told you that uh, lots of breweries are destroyed in the first line. Yeah? And uh, 100 years ago in the 20s, um, the brewers has been thinking, what should we do? Should we rebuild our brewery? Should we do another job? Um, but you know the heart of a brewery, he wants to brew. Yeah? But it was also the time to, um, to think about the beer styles. Yeah? The beer that we produced before the First World War was a beer of a high fermentation. Yeah? And the new thing was the lager beers. But you know, you have to um, build a brewery to produce lager beers. It's a, a new kind of investment. Yeah? And what did they do here in this area? Uh, with the rebuilding of this area, um, they came together and they say, let us build a big brewery that we can produce uh, a high fermentation, and that we can also brew a lager beer, a pils beer. Because um, the investment for a small brewery was too high. And when we can put our, our money together, 
we can go, we can 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 build a very bigger uh, company and a very stronger company to to produce these lager beers. So, so the, the the reason was mostly to enable those smaller breweries who were brewing top fermented beer to basically brew a lager, mm-hmm. not that they would pull the resources because they struggled after the war. Because you're saying that. They did quite well after the war, during the war, the, the guys in those in this region. So they had some money, but they came together and decided, yeah, let's pull our resources. We'll continue to make our own top fermented yeah. beers. That's that's also. But we'll whole, also make lager. Yeah, you have also the thing. Uh, the older generation they say, yes, we have earned our money with top fermentation beers, and now the son is coming. Oh, father, we should brew eh, a lager beer. So you are crazy, eh? But it was also a chance to um, to, to 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 have a new product, a new thing in in, in this area, um, and and that's the reason that that they bring the the the, the knowledge. And, and, and the money together to, to, to build a new brewery. And uh, it started in the, in the early 20s. 20s to, uh, to, to They started with, with brewing top fermented beer, but, but after a few years, yeah, they started with their own product, an own beer, and the, what should I say, the Roberg pills. Yeah, because um, yeah, you know, from the documents that you have uncovered for the book, you, know, you can actually see the, the beers that they're brewing. So you, know, you have a... a, a a leaflet here from you know 1921 that gives you know the the different small breweries as part of the project and their own beers. So you have here Brasserie Leopold, that's White Star, Bock, Stout, and Pilsen. Then you have uh, Scotch Christmas. Then you have um, Double Special. Um, so you can kind of get an idea yeah, of the types of they beers. Had they had to start. Yeah, they had to start with also selling beer because you have to know a lots of people who are working in the, in this region for doing the rebuilding, the rebuilding of the houses, the churches, everything. What the, the, the schools, what what you need, and they have to. They want to drink a beer, and they say we will start it to sell beer from another brewery, and so we can have the the cafes eh? and then we can slowly begin to brew our own beers yeah top fermented and the the second uh, the, the, the lager beer so they have to start with with beers from other breweries and they say we are going to replace the beers from the other breweries and we are putting our beers in the place so yeah i mean it must have been a quite a big operation because the list of families that you have here that were involved and that were inv- you know that that sort of um Undertook the the, the cooperation. Um, it's it's a, a lot of families. You know, you have there's a, a Bone family from Ypres. There's a family Bouquet from Langemark. There's the Lobel from Camel. You know, the list goes on here. The Pout from Camel. Um, it's it's. I mean, was was there. Was is the Witte from Langemark? Is was there a politics between the families? No, but you have to know. These families had their own cafes, yeah, and every family had its own distribution, yeah, to the customers, to the cafes, and that's the whole thing. They can kept the the the, the distribution. So it was kind of like a contract facility. Voilà, that's right. So we contract our beers in this bigger voilà. and, and in, in, in return over time mm-hmm. we can contribute to making yeah. a bigger lager brewery yeah. of which we own a share. Voilà. And you see one of, of, of these families has built their own brewery but uh, some of these families have said oh no we stopped we are going to work together with the Centrale Brouwerij and we are going to deliver our customers with the beers from the Centrale Brouwerij but we don't have but we are brewer but our context is with the Centrale Brouwerij, but we don't need our own brewery. Yeah, that, that's and, and where was the Ypres Centrale Brouwerij? In Ypres, in Ypres, after the station. Yeah. And I mean, is there rem- is there any physical remnants of it now? It, no, no, it's it. Uh, it has been worked uh, until the seventies. Yeah. And then um, it was also a maltery. Um, they, they did do, do the whole process from the farmer maltery and brewing beer, deliver, delivering beer to the coast in this area and so on. But uh, it stopped in the 70s because they had to uh, rechange the whole brewery and, and the whole concept uh, to making beer. So it was, was, it was uh, very uh, expensive to, to build a new brewery. But also the place was not, not any more uh, comfortable and so on. So, um, but it's a nice story to um, that brings the lager beers in this area. Yeah? 
uh, and that was her, that was their success to 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 doing this. Um, and they have also different depots, yeah, or, or other small breweries who have been selling their beers on the on the on the seaside, eh, on the mountains. Eh, uh, so it was a really important brewery for this region. Voila, eh? it was a very important important brewery for this region, and on those days, a kind of politics also, yeah, when we are bigger and stronger, you have to say something, eh? and, and you want to say something. So um, that's the whole thing that, that, I, that I wrote in my book, that uh, everything is going up and down, but they started with the intention to make lager beers and to bring lager beers into this area. You know, the, the, in Belgium at the minute, the, the kind of the, what people call special beer, and so like top fermented specialty beers, are kind of on the rise again a little bit. Um, some of the traditional family lager breweries are um, moving more sort of of their uh, their efforts into that sector. Um, you have other beers of mixed fermentation like Old Brown and Spontaneous Fermentation, which are experiencing a little bit of a rise in popularity, even though they're still niche products. You know, obviously that was important that the Ypres' Centrale Brewery could bring lager to the region, become a strong sort of statement of the fact that, that they were there. But is there anything in you that, you know, you're a you're an archivist and a historian, but you're also a, a brewer and a beer enthusiast. Is there any part of you that's sad that the strong lager culture kind of eroded part of the, the kind of the top fermented or mixed fermentation culture that you maybe had in this region that especially in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and through to the 80s and 90s, kind of really, I guess, changed. And I mean, you don't make a lager. You're making beers which extend back further than the war to your own heritage. Or is that something that, you, you know, you look at more in a historical context that, you know, like lager, was, that was what was happening in Belgium then, and that's part of the context of... You say it. Yeah, you say it. It's a part of the context, and and the people they they they, lots of uh, German um, brewmasters they came over here in the fifties, and and they learned also the techniques to to making to making lager beers. I I, I think it's a good it's a good evolution. It's it's a cool thing that that the people in this time that they can learn about it and and that they can. I always but there was say, nothing lost for for Belgian beer. I don't beer. know. I don't know. I, I don't think so for this area. I think you are a child of your time, and and when you can introduce a new a new uh, variety in your in your in your company, and when you can do this thing. It's giving you a kind of richness. And I feel I, I have lots of talks with, with, with old brewers and, and they say they are proud, proud to make it here with a local accent. And that's very interesting that they that and they can use the hops from this area and they can use all this the, the, the water from this area, but they are producing an, 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 an a local beer, a local lager beer. Just you ask to me, a Roberg Pils, yes, it it was the lager from, from this area. You know, w w for example, with the Ypres Centrale Brauerei and the, the kind of discussion that happened between the older generation of brewers and the younger generation of brewers, um, a lot of the older guys were, you know, wanted to take part in the Ypres Centrale Brauerei, but they perhaps wanted to continue longer brewing their kind of top fermented beers, whereas the younger guys looked more to lager for the future. You know, is that something you see you know, in, in breweries today and family breweries today or, or that you see in other, in other businesses? I think it's, it's from every time, the discussions, of the, the, the discussions between the older and the, and the younger generation. Um, but during my researches in, in, in the old days, um, between the First World War and the Second World War, I, I, I saw it, I, I have talks with, um, of interviews with older breweries and you feel the... the the pressure from the older generation to the younger generation and, and the respect for the older brewer and, and, and um, to do their own thing. I think it's for every company, eh? it's for every family business eh? who is creating a product with passion and with love. Eh? And, and um, in your company, you will also um, invest in new things, but you have the time. And, and yeah, the, I have lots of elderly brewers who will be now 80s or 90s um, and, and they're always talking about the, who you call it, the, the, 
the difficulty between a different different generation different generations so uh yeah that's something who has been uh, an older and 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 every uh, contact something has coming above um to 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 these persons um and when the older bigger family brewer pater familias has passed away the younger the younger bros is saying now i can do my thing yeah. but they can do their thing all right but then you have the second world war and then collapse the, the the thing again so it was very difficult for for this generation who has been now 80 or 90 years old so uh and then the thing what should we make top fermented beers lager beers i think it was very difficult for this uh, for this generation yeah Part three, renewal. You know, and absolutely, and you know, you're working so hard because you have the, the archivist job in Dix Merida and you have, um, you know, you're doing all the brewing, you're up early, you're, you're doing all the packaging, you're monitoring the beer, you're doing the transfers, the, you know, you're sourcing the cherries. Um, so, you know, there's a huge amount of work goes into it, but you also have some support from family and from your partner. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned that, you know, you have your parents, I think, and your partner is a cattle who help unpack on bottling days. So like, I mean, what, what do your, you know, what do your mum and dad say about the brewery? Do they, I mean, you've been doing it for a while now, so, you know, they obviously understand it. Yes. When you started, what, what did they think? They were very st- silent and very. They say, "What will be happen?" And they say anything, and I did my thing. But I asked my father, "I will buy a new machine. What are you thinking about it?" And he gives me some advice. He say, "Yeah, we should do. We should do." My father, he he's a very quiet man, so uh, and he gives me the opportunity to to do the whole thing, but. Uh, they are proud about about it. What, what's your father and your mother's occupation? What did they do? Uh, my father was uh, working and, and selling um, fine meat, pâtés. Uh, so they understand flavor and, yeah, right. and, and ingredients. Voila. That's the yeah. thing. That's the thing. Uh, and that's something you can share with them. Voila. Yeah. When we can taste a good beer and we can make some nice pâtés and, and the local products that we can make here and that we can sell it's a kind of combination and and where did you meet cattle it's from the area of, of Cortrec and but I have learned to drink a good beer to him so he wasn't interested in beer before that he was just drinking lager beers so pinche and, and, he, and he, he's an artist he's an artist he's he is working in the, in the concrete sector. Yeah. But, you know, obviously he has seen how much you've put into the brewery. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm sure he's proud of We've you. We've met 10 years ago, each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he said to me, I, want, I wanted to be independent. I say, I'm sorry. I'm an independent brewer. Oh, yes. But the thing is, you grow together in the, in, in the concept, in the project, in, in the whole thing. And, and he enjoyed also drinking a very good beer. And that's the whole thing. That's one of the things that I, that I be proud of it, that you can learn to drink, that you can say to people, please taste it. You don't know it, but taste it and see what a big world is coming over you. When you are going to taste it, so that's the thing that I have to that I that I learned also to Carl. I say, please taste it. Isn't your taste? No problem, but discover the different tastes, and that's very thing. And that's all what I see in the in the degustations here in this and in the brewery. The people they say, what should we drink? I want to drink a cherry beer, a very sweet cherry beer for me. I say no, it's a sour cherry beer. Please taste it. I say, oh yes, I didn't know this taste, this flavor. That's also one of the things that I'd be proud of it, that you can learn. Because we have to learn to drink beer on our people. Yeah. So I asked Van der Walle about an award he has won for his research into historical breweries. Uh, it's a fairly prestigious award called the Golden Hammer, the Hulden Hammerken, awarded by a, a local 
Brewery History Society. Uh, was, it, was there a particular piece of work that you won for, or was it a, like a general recognition? A general recognition, yeah. Because, you know, if you look at the list of people who have been awarded, it's mm-hmm. quite high profile. So you have, mm-hmm. you know, like, for example, Chris Hartelier, who is yeah. a, also a famous historian a brewer at the Dollar Browers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won in 2000, which is now 20 years ago, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, you have the uh, a, a very well-known biochemist, um, Eric van Schoenenberghe. Yeah who won in 2014, that was after you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilfred Patrons mm-hmm. won in 2016. He, he is famous for writing a number of beers, uh, books about Belgian beer long before Michael Jackson, you know, kind of did some of that research work. And then you have famous members like Frank Bakua, mm-hmm. who is part of the, the Snook project. Him, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it must be a very interesting organization to kind of be a part of. That's right, yeah, yeah. And then there you met the people who has been the same interest, the same soul, the same um, passion to 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 keep this history together, because in the archives, from the government, from the local cities, and the archives of the companies, we have to mix these archives together, yeah? and then we can get a, a very nice story. And when you can doing this, it's giving me a very good recognition to doing more things about it um do, do you ever encounter people in the beer world who kind of dismiss history or who find the you know what you do is uh, something insignificant or boring because i mean obviously i'm very interested in it mm-hmm. and a lot of people are but you know i think there's a lot of people in in beer who are focused on on the next thing rather than what's gone before you know that must make you feel a bit shit that you know all this, the efforts that you're making are maybe not being. Do you, have, do you ever encounter that? Well, the thing, the work that I do, um, I'm peeling off the history. Yeah, I'm working very, very on on, on detail in, in this history, and you have people need you, you need people to doing this the very, very big research. Yeah, maybe me, my books are boring to read. Maybe yeah, I don't know, but. For me, it's very important to keep the whole history in that book. Yeah? You have the interviews with the brewer, you have the research in local documents and so on. It's not a commercial version of, of brewery history, but it's a more uh, deep-grounded uh, research. of Social the history, Voila, cultural right. history. Yeah, that's right. Uh, maybe it is boring, but um, I like to do it because when I don't do it now, it's lost for the for the for the for the future, so uh, yeah. And that's the thing that they appreciate the Holden Hammer that, that that we can do. Eh? And you 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 named lots of, of, of nice persons over there, uh, and everyone do his does his own thing. And when you bring the things together, you have a very good um, basic to make the commercial books. But I think. They should more do research in their commercial books about uh, that they that they make on on those days. So uh. yeah, so so that's something interesting. Is you know when you read beer books, mm-hmm. do you find in some of the kind of the the history summaries that there's a lot of mistakes or lazy reporting? Um, I often. Uh, read the same things, so uh, so it's a regurgitation. Uh, I I need I need new things in my job. Also, I I need new elements. I need I need new stories. Yeah, that's for me very important that I can tell new things and say, did you read this? Did you find this? Ah, yes, it's giving you a new world. But yeah, and and that's the thing that I that I that I miss. So you know you you're. Uh an archivist and a historian and a brewer. Um, you know, you're used to reading, you know, a hundred years ago about what a brewery was doing. You're looking at family names. You're looking at, you know, old documents which give you evidence about things. What do you see a historian in a hundred years' time looking back at Brauerei van der Walle saying, so, you know, you're no longer alive People have some records of how you sold your beer, what beers you were making. Maybe even someone listens to this interview. Um, what are they going to write 
and what would you like them to write? Very interesting story. So we will start with this interview of today. We will keep them in the records, in, in the archives. Um, I'm writing about myself. Yeah? I'm, I'm, that's my private book. Yeah? Um, yeah. A very interesting question. I'm getting quiet now. Uh, I don't well, take know. your time to think about it. It's, it's <laughs> I don't a, know, but um, I, I, you, you, you ask me what are you proud of? Proud of it? And and uh, I will build something like this. I will mix it again to. Um, um, I'm 44 now this year, and I worked 20 years as archivist. It's a very it's a long time, and. I've seen, I've spoken with lots of, of, of very beautiful people. I want to say, I will just write it down. And I will call it contact moments. What I have learned from these people. Um, very interesting people, famous people also. And I think I will also write something like this. What, you ask me the question, what are you proud of it? What, what, are you give, what is the brewery giving to you? And I think that I write down these kind of things and... and is it to me to write it down? Yes, I can do it uh, to give a kind of explanation. But I'm also interesting who people are looking to me and who are looking you, looking to my brewery. I can learn also something about it. Um, so you, you mean perspective, like what, what other people's perspective is of your brewery? Yeah. And you want to know how you're perceived? Yeah. How do you th- how do you think you're perceived? I don't know. I don't know. I also I always a little bit scared what people about thinking about me and about the brewery. But but uh, if you you know you're here, you're doing your own thing. You're you're doing what you believe in. You're doing what you're passionate about. You have the beers that you know are connected to your region, and you can't do this any other way. I don't think so. Why are you worried about what people think? I don't know. Yeah. I'm a piece of the history, I think. <laughs> and let, let, us, let us say, well, I, I'm also very curious. I was asking to, always asking to people, how did you find me? Oh, I find you like this and this and this way. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm getting quiet of it. I don't know. Towards the end of my visit, Vandewala's partner, Garel Dendau, video calls and I'm able to say hello through the screen of a mobile phone. Vandewala mentions to Dandau that I had been interested in the entrance hall painting. Two colourful birds that looked like phoenix, wings spread, facing each other in a meeting of dramatic energy. The painting is a work by Dandau. It had been noticed by local art organisations, and Dandau had been invited to take part in the Twentic Twentic that's a summer art exhibition of 40 contemporary artists across five cities and municipalities in the Lea Valley between June and September 2020. Being a symbol of the new arising out of the old, the phoenix has been chosen by the West Hook to highlight the rebuilding of the area after the First World War. There are similar themes in the story of the Ypres Centrale Brauerei, a cooperation of families in the West Hook which sought to renew and transform the fate of the region after the war, in which a generation of brewers changed the direction of their lives by focusing on the now. But it might also extend to personal transformations. Chris von der Walle is evolving not only as a published archivist, but as an award-winning brewer. Van der Walle's parents have gone from focusing on their own food business to sharing the deepest passion of their only son. And in addition to designing concrete stairs, Garel Dendo is at last an exhibiting artist. On the video call, I asked Dendo what his bird painting means. It's about freedom, he says quietly. It's about finding yourself. My new thing, 
from this from this period period my new cheese i mean okay <laughs> i'm i'm try to uh now to make this is my very 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 first cheese so um it is uh, i um i produce and i make it on, on the 8th of june and so uh i have a little bit work on it so but um so you are the first one who was tasting my cheese so uh so just before i leave chris pulls out two glasses and a bottle of his old brown um, to share together with uh, some of his own cheese. Yeah, and kukas, yeah, from from uh, milk, from cow's milk. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, but I have still some work on it. So uh, I have now a cheese with holes, you know, you yeah. see, <laughs> but I don't need the holes in it. So uh, yeah. yeah, a professional cheese maker should say mm -hmm. you have to you have to study, you have to work on it. So uh, yeah, you get some old brown from me. So old uh, brown, voila. Still young, but so yeah. How do you, where do you start? How do you do this? The 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 brother of my partner is farmer. We have cows, mm -hmm. so I say I will get collect some to his mother. I need some milk. What are you doing with the milk? I have some cheese or oh, cheese. So, but no. Um, yeah, it's quite um quite creamy. Yeah, it's light. Yeah, fresh. Little bit, a wee bit of tanginess. Wow. It's the first time that I make cheese. It's the f yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it needs it needs some time Perfect. also. Yeah. <laughs> Danke. <Perfect. laughs> Be welcome, something. Mm. You have um, that's a nice beer. No. It's good acidity, but it's very much in balance. Some sweetness, but not too sweet. You have um, nice kind of nice type of acidity. There's no vinegar. There's no sort of acetic in there. It's um, it's not astringent. It's not too woody. It's quite drinkable. What's the alcohol? Says six point eight. Oh, that high? Yeah. There is body to it, but it doesn't feel like six point eight. Yeah. It feels. And I like I very like it. I have the the nice aftertaste also. Mm. So as soon as Van der Waller gets a beer and a cheese in his mouth, as soon as he's tasting and as soon as he's enjoying food, his thoughts immediately turn to his grandmother. What? Well, for this beer, it needs a salty cheese. Eh? Um, but well, I think you need also, this is a... Like you said, it's young, yeah. it's quite light, but I think if you had something with more intensity, yeah, that's right, yeah. it might say acidity, but... But it's nice to have. That's great. The, 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 the next thing, it will be a salted cheese or something, I don't know, but... Um, I like to have, that's the thing that I learned from my grandmothers who, who, who's passed away now, um, to, to, and I realize this now, it's, it's kind of when you can create things on your own and when you can make it on your own, uh, it's jam or, or it's, it's marmalade, it, it, it's beer, it's honey. cheese, it's honey. Um, it's give you a kind of proudness, it's give you a kind of... Um, um, also... A relation again to you, to your family, to your, to your. Um, it was incredible with her funeral that all the grandchildren was talking about the, the kitchen, the cuisine, what we have eaten, what we have drunk, what we have. It, it's it's a kind of identity of the people over here. When I return home from my trip to Lorenga, I visit the website of Sezun's Brauerei van de Walla to check out the information he has posted there on each of his beers. There's a short promotional video for the brewery which shows viewers the oak barrels and the bottling line. At the end of the video, Van de Walla can be seen serving his beer during a picnic to a small group of people, blankets spread out on the flat, peaceful fields around Loreninga, which seems so far removed from the action that took place there during the First World War. I recognise Van de Walla's parents and his sister in the video from photos in his house as they slice cured meats and cheese to serve with the beers. I see Carol Dendow there too, in a crisp white shirt and navy slacks, dunking a bucket into the Aza River with Van de Walla's father, the pair fetching water to keep the beer cold. 
Vandawala's sister's children are playing in the background. It's a brewery's promotional video, but it's also a technicolour scene of a family who are present and living in the now, laughing and chatting and eating and clinking glasses together, not an archive or an historical book in sight. The spirit of Yvonne de Gros, alive in every bite and drink. so much to Mike Kearney and Dave Wallace for the writing and recording of original music and to Leander Muris for technical audio assistance. Thanks once again to Visit Flanders for their support. And thanks to you for listening. Please do recommend the podcast to someone you think might enjoy it. And if you can, please leave a review so others can hear what you think of the podcast. It really does make a huge difference to us. My name is Brandon Kearney. And this has been the Belgian Smack Podcast. Until next time, love what you do.